today's gospel, the Annunciation of the Birth of Jesus, is one of those Bible passages that artists have recreated endlessly in paintings and sculptures throughout the centuries. And in the Western European tradition, these depictions of the Annunciation, they more often than not include a very regal-looking Mary. She's wrapped all in silks, and her eyes are often closed or sort of turned downward, emphasizing her modesty. Her penitent hands are crossed across her chest or held in prayer, and there's often a golden halo or some sort of heavenly shine around her head. And Mary's surroundings are often equally rich. Artists set the Annunciation in European-looking palaces amongst marble columns or arched porticos, lush gardens, and the angel Gabriel wrapped in a cloth and majesty that matches Mary. These renditions emphasize the glory of this moment, Mary's deference and her grace. And they have almost a staged quality, you know, every piece, every person in just the right place. But the artistic interpretation of the Annunciation that has resonated the most with me in 1898 by Henry Asawa Tanner, Mary is depicted not as a grown regal woman, but as a teenager, dressed in wrinkled peasant clothes, no halo, no silks. And the room, it's simple and stark, a rumpled Carpets, plain tapestries, a pock-marked wall. Gabriel appears as nothing more than a shaft of light on the edge of the canvas. And Mary's posture communicates her youth and also her vulnerability. She sits huddled up at the head of the, be- of the bed. Her, her, her shoulders are slightly hunched. Her hands are clasped nervously in her lap. Three of her toes are sticking out from under the hem of her robe, and she's staring intently at the shining angel. Her eyes upturned, her brows raised. She's scared. She's unsure, but she's also curious, and she's not turning away her gaze. Tanner's Annunciation shows us a Mary who is young and vulnerable and completely ordinary, and yet there is a glint of a certain kind of strength in her eyes. Mary, who despite the surprise, despite the risk, still has the courage to respond to God's call with her breathtaking words, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation that your son, Jesus Christ, at his coming may find us in a mansion prepared for himself. This service, this fourth Sunday of Advent, feels uh, a bit funny, seeing as it's also following on Christmas Eve. Instead of one last week of preparing for Christ's arrival, we instead just have a few hours. And There is a certain, and I think understandable, desire to sort of just sort of skip this last Sunday of Advent and just get on with Christmas. And I I understand it, I do, but there are a few reasons why I'd argue for keeping this service, and I'm glad to see so many of you here marking it with us. And, And one of them is that in skipping over it, we would lose the opportunity to reflect a bit on the Virgin Mary and her profound act of faith 
and trust at the Annunciation. How the miracle of the incarnation of God becoming human is indeed dependent, is tied indelibly on her yes. Even if we reflect on this for just a little while, between now and Christmas Eve festivities, I think it will be time well spent. And this year, there are two aspects of the Annunciation that are resonating with me in particular, both of which I I see reflected in Tanner's painting. And the first is that Mary was, by all indications from what we have in the Gospel of Luke up until this point, a completely ordinary person. Not a queen or a princess. She is, as she's often depicted in other works of art, not rich or well-known or accomplished like other famous figures of antiquity. No, she was simply a young Jewish girl, like countless other young Jewish girls engaged to be married. And yet it is through this ordinary woman that God's extraordinary act of the incarnation comes to the world. When Mary's predictable life is interrupted by God's supernatural call, she nonetheless is ready to respond in faith. If Advent is meant to prepare us for Christmas, then Mary is our final reminder this season of waiting that God's glory so often appears in this world through the most mundane of means. Bread and wine become Christ's body and blood. Water washes away our sin and envelops us into the body of Christ. And with one simple yes, a peasant girl becomes the mother of the Almighty. During this upcoming season of Christmas, we would do well to seek God's glory, not in halls of power, not among the rich and the famous, but rather in the ordinary, in the poor, in the seemingly unextraordinary. The second piece is Mary's courage. In saying yes to God, Mary is risking an awful lot. She is risking her engagement to Joseph. She's risking whatever future she had envisioned for herself. She is risking her very life. Her community could very well have interpreted her prenuptial pregnancy as an act of adultery, a crime that would have led to public shame and punishment, and at worst could have led to her execution. Mary's bravery has reminded me what courage is really about. And courage isn't, as it's often discussed, the absence of fear. It's not foolhardiness, nor is it saber-rattling or chest-thumping. True courage isn't loud or brash. No, I think real courage is often quite quiet. An acceptance and recognition of our fear while also not letting that fear have the final word. Unlike so many other depictions of Mary where she is stoic and calm as a statue in Tanner's painting, we see the fear on Mary's face, and yet she does not turn away. She sees and has accepted the risk and has nonetheless set herself squarely on the path that God has set before her. And though very few of us are called to the kind of courage in the same dramatic fashion as Mary we all, in our own ways, come face to face with fear. Whether it's within our personal lives, a change that we are delaying to make, or socially among our communities, relationships, or problems that we are not eager to face, or globally, regarding ongoing wars and other threats in our world that can paralyze us. 
In our sometimes dark and dangerous world, Mary is a model for how we might step forward in faith, not because we don't see the risks, but because we know there is something that, ult- that is ultimately greater, something that even, up if we, even if we were to add up all the fears and the threats of this world would still not be overcome. That kingdom of heaven that is already among us, that is coming to us this Christmas, and that every time we play by its rules instead of the world's, we are able to roll out the edges of the heavenly tapestry of the kingdom of God just a little bit further. As Advent draws to a close and Christmas arrives, we pray in today's collect that God may find us a mansion ready to receive his coming. And when he arrives, may we all greet him with the words of his mother. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.